The avalanche of sexual assault and harassment allegations continue as another high-profile name or two or three or ten names have been added to the rapidly growing list of accused. Have we reached a tipping point? Or is there a bigger agenda at play here? We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about some of the actions that are being suggested to take in order to stop this this sexual assault harassment epidemic that's going on right now, just sweeping across the nation. On this episode of the Propaganda Report, this is Brad Binkley. I'm here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you doing today? I didn't mean that to be any sort of a... (laughs) What did you mean by that? I didn't mean anything by what I just said. (laughs) I am not going to regale you with the many, many stories of my own experience with sexual harassment and how uh, the difference between that and some of my fun experiences with a little off-color humor, even in the workplace. So I can take it. I can take it, coworker. Well, I'm not getting <laughs> lulled into mind. that again. <laughs> I, I enjoy humor, even if it is. See, that's the problem, though. This is this is yeah. where this is going. At least they're trying to push it this way. Is you don't even know. You, you don't. You might think you're okay, but then you get in a fight with someone, and then it's retroactive at this point. And because we're no longer worrying about due diligence or a court of law, they can retroactively convict you in the court of public opinion and just shame you to death. Yes, that is. That is the problem with any kind of humor or sarcasm or whatever in digital writing that I've noticed. But I'm, I've actually, I think, come full circle in that I feel like they can make up stuff anyway. They can actually replicate your voice or, I guess, duplicate your voice. Oh, yeah. They can just make stuff up on it. I mean, if you're talking about electronic zeros and ones, they can just string that stuff along and... You know what I mean? So I don't even care. If they if they brought up a real email, I would deny it. If they brought up a fake email, I would deny it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I don't, I don't even want to be chilled anymore. But I just, the, the lack of humor, really, when these identity issues, whatever, you just can't use humor anymore. No. You know, humor, humor comes from what's surprising, what's different. What it Take, take objective references and say something funny or different about them. But if you have no, if object, if objectiveness is totally replaced by subjectiveness and your culture is so splintered that we don't share any norms, you can't have humor. And if you insert humor, you're like, that's being, you're being culturalist. You know, that, that only reflects your cultural experience, but it could offend other people. Yeah. And it, it could offend them in a way where you're labeled a sexual, uh, uh, you know, abuser. Not, not to say, not to say that some of these people that are being accused haven't done things. Uh, that's not. There is a problem. There. That, that's, that's the thing. That's I've, the thing. I yeah. was sexually harassed, like unbelievable. It's very disturbing. I've been teaching my daughter how to not like let them trap you into thinking it's your fault and all this kind of crap. The first time I was sexually harassed is when I was. It was the first time I ever babysat the guy. I mean, he. I was really molested. I mean, the guy. The dad came home early, drunk. And was like, I had to literally physically escape this guy. I was 13 at the most. And it happened all through law school and business school, summer jobs. I mean, there was one job. I was being sexually harassed by the guy I was working for, the girl I was working for, and the married guy I was sharing an office with. (laughs) So it's real. That's for sure. But now 
why all of a sudden is it like something to talk about? And I, and I actually coined a phrase, the Weinstein paradox, I guess you could say the Weinstein effects, but the Weinstein paradox, I'm going to call people say I'm a conspiracy theorist. And the number one argument against conspiracy theories is how could you keep everybody quiet? Well, how, how could they keep everybody quiet about Weinstein and Louis C.K. and everybody else on earth? Wasn't John Stewart shocked hearing Louis C.K.? Like yeah. he, he pulls it out in front of everybody, but nobody talks about it. Bull. You keep quiet because your job depends on it. And that's true for conspiracies and false flags and sexual harassment. And I call it the Weinstein paradox. And people also keep quiet if they might also get accused of something. And you're right. John Stewart said that he was completely shocked to find out about Louis C.K., which that that completely shocked me because I, I've been in theater. I've been in a lot of comedy clubs, know a lot of comedians. I've known, or at least I heard, probably six or seven years ago that Louis C.K. was infamous for pulling his junk out in front of people in public. That 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 is that is so so, so weird. No. I, I'm so happy to say I don't I have no recollection, maybe I'm blocked out of anyone ever doing that to me. And I have and I have been sexually harassed many, many times, but I can't Ugh. say I've ever experienced that that little that you, moment. You spend enough time in the theater and it gets to the point of going, Wow, I didn't see somebody's dick tonight. No, nobody pulled it out. Do you think the reason it was still because in my field, banking and law after I don't know about if law ever straightened up, but the banking culture, the investment banking culture, really, I noticed it really straightened up when they uh, when it was crystal clear that you could bankrupt a company that people were, were bankrupt people personally, as soon as there started to be big enough punitive lawsuits, whatever then people weren't willing to risk their jobs on it. And and that's actually the appropriate forum for this. It's This isn't about policy. This is about the, the policy. You're not allowed to do it. And you should sue people. And that's why you get big payouts to encourage people to sue. You should sue people. You should prove it. All that kind of stuff. And uh, But when they... Uh, I wonder if like in the theater and stuff, for some reason, because there isn't that much to lose, a lot of these people have nothing to lose and stuff to gain. You know, the culture is you can't motivate people like that. We'll take away your paycheck. You know, it's just it's a little tricky. Well, nobody was offended either. It it wasn't one of those things where everybody was like, oh, my God, like, you know, maybe the first time and guys are sitting around and guys pull their dicks out. Yeah, sometimes. Oh my gosh! Or, or you'll look over, and one dude will one dude will have his his balls pulled up in his zipper just to get a reaction out of out of people. It's really it, it's you get to a humor. You, you go in everyday life. Yeah, it's it's constant contest if you can make people laugh. Yeah, that's what some people's go to. And right. honestly, and if just being edgy is, is right. yeah, I mean you'll just get edgy. I that's not my style, but I can totally understand if all you got is edge. Then you're gonna out edge people. Well, here's the thing: nobody cares as long as the as long as they like the person. The girls don't care. The guys right. go, "Oh, put your but, freaking dick away." Uh, uh, but as soon yeah. as you don't like somebody, and now that they put this stuff in people's heads that everything is sexual assault or sexual harassment, there's no like clear line there. Then it just becomes: if I don't like that person, I decide that what that person did 
was harassment or assault, even though if the other person did it, I'm perfectly fine with it. And that's the problem with these these allegations, this flood of allegations that's coming out right now. Some of the backstories, I'm not going to go through all of the list of people who've been accused because I'm, I'm literally looking at a list of over 100 people and film and, wow. and producers. Um, I mean, almost everyone has been accused of something. And it goes like Al Franken is the most recent one, but he's not even the most recent one because Sylvester Stallone yesterday was accused. The guy from Arrested Development, the dad was See, accused why didn't, yesterday. Why, why didn't those pictures of Al Franken come out when he was running for office? You know, why don't, why do they, the media obviously suppresses anything they, they want sit to on it. Right. They, they got pictures like that. They probably have 10 different people walking up to that girl doing the same thing just to compromise people in case they need to do well, it. Well, that's the thing. Time. It's like, actually, you don't get to be senator if you don't have pictures like that they can use against you when the time comes. Hey, what's, what's hilarious about the way that this is the reaction to this, it, it's just a contest of uh, the left. Somebody gets accused, the right, somebody gets accused. And both sides, when it's their own side being accused, like, People on the right, for Roy Moore, they're going, well, we need we need due diligence. We need to if, – if it's true, then he needs to stop running. But we need to do our due diligence. But uh, if the person on the left, automatically guilty. On the left, it's we need to do due diligence. But on the right, automatically guilty. So they both want due diligence when it's their person. Although Al Franken did say that he grabbed her and it was a joke. So it's not like, what are they going to investigate? Well, that's proven. There's nothing right. to look into. But Nobody's they're doing an, an ethics council on the, like, to investigate uh-huh. this. He, he already admitted it, yet they, they're calling for an ethics, an, an investigation into it. The thing, and that actually wasn't that long ago. The thing with Roy Moore, first of all, I mean, these allegations are weird. There's absolutely no evidence of it. One of the things they're saying, I shouldn't say that. I don't know about the evidence, but the thing that I could not find any evidence on, they're saying he was banned from a mall because he used to loiter to pick up teenage girls. And there's they're like, we don't keep records that far back. It's like, okay, so you get a bunch of people to lie. You could conceivably get a bunch of people to lie yeah. and bring someone down politically, which is very dangerous. And it was it's so dangerous that only a short time ago, whatever it was, 20 years ago, when Anita Hill was trying to do that to Clarence Thomas, it was predictable that they would not allow her, could not, left or right, people could not allow her to be successful because it's such a fundamental violation of, of like legal principles that you just cannot give uh, uh, un- founded, unsubstantiated allegations, that kind of political power, because it just, you know, just collapses the political system. It's what the First Amendment is all about. It's about that freedom of speech and stuff. And that's why these guys getting set up for crimes, you know, going to jail, like Nacho, who defended Quest against warrantless wiretaps, or Sachleben, who was the whistleblower against the second underwear bomber, these guys went to jail for insider trading and kitty porn, respectively, to shut them up. So when you come out and you shut somebody up, like Bill Cosby, who tells people that if they don't speak proper English, that they will continue to be uh, an underclass and that they're falling for it and that's no good, that is so, – so they don't like that. So to p- punish that political speech, they go back and take what – what seems to be, you know, uh, uh, have some foundation in these old allegations. But you you look at Thomas Jefferson and Martin Luther King, and they have had sexual predilections that offend people, but it's completely irrelevant because what's relevant to them is 
their political impact. And that, if you start uh, allowing, you know, you, you're, you're really, you're going to take mediocrity to a whole new level. So the problem I think Plato predicted on democracy is that you would ever go, get ever closer to mediocrity, that you would have to just have the blandest person run. Bland, bland, bland to appeal yeah. to the most people. And at this point, you have to have people. It's completely irrelevant. It's like when both of my kids who go to two different schools both said to me that in the past week or two that that my my political views are so anathema to their cultures, which are different cultures, that they both said separately that they would have no political opinion going forward. I was like, look, you can't lie. You don't have to start fights, whatever. And both of them said, well, I just won't have a political opinion, which is exactly what this thing is trying to, is it's by preventing anyone from having any personality, having any experience, whatever, uh, you really neuter Anybody who's politically outspoken, uh, and like for my kids, it's the politics itself that they're being penalized for, but these other people are being penalized for something outside of politics. It's really, that is to me, a, in the spirit of the First Amendment, an attack on the First Amendment. Maybe not the letter of the law, but the spirit of it, you're not supposed to allow that. Well, this whole thing is an attack on the First Amendment. I have like seven or eight agenda items that this is going to serve. Oh, yes. Okay. Can I? I just have to dovetail one quick thing and then I'll stop. Go ahead. The Fifth Amendment, which is due process under the law, is actually designed to make sure that you can't persecute people for political reasons by accusing them of crimes. And then you were saying how you can go back. You can go back and find stuff somebody said in order to persecute them in the future, which is why that total surveillance state that that's going to sweep up all our information into one place. That was, uh, that's what Cornyn in Texas is trying to do by having the military as a result of the Texas church shooting, having the military put all their stuff in the same database as the civilian and all that. Eric Holder started that, but the 1974 privacy act was a result of Watergate. And it was designed to not allow that because they could see how, Political persecution could arise from having uh, that kind of intimate knowledge of people's habits and information and stuff. It's why your social security number is not your driver's license number. It's so that politicians or people in power cannot have access to all of your information and use it to neutralize you politically. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, well, now they have access to everything about you via Facebook and all your other social media. But I think it's interesting, though, that this is exactly what it's for. It's exactly all of this stuff is a problem, and those protections were all in place for the very reason that what you do not want to be able to do is neutralize someone politically for for non-political, you know, by using the tools in in the non-political realm or being able to use the legal system or the court of public opinion without due process, stifling free speech, all of that. You see how I'm trying to... Uh, yeah, no, I know <laughs> I'm exactly to what you're my vision to you. I'm having this, like, moment, this aha right. moment of, of what a holistic organism the Bill of Rights are and, the, and these fundamentals, which all of this is attacking in a very profound way. Because I was trying to just understand what's happening here. Well, it's and, communist in nature. It. And it's Roy Moore that who's really... It's really demonstrating they want 
to flip the South. They wanted to take Sessions and Price out of the the Congress. And now those two seats, Ossoff and now Roy Moore, those are the seats they're going to, they really, the Democrats came full bore, try to flip those important red seats blue. And, uh, and they're doing it. I think the GOP should not have backed down to support this guy because, you know, you can't have this um, guilty until proven innocent thing become a political weapon. But that's what it is, though. And the thing is, I, I don't know enough about it. He might be guilty of something. And so it puts people in, yeah. that, in that position of I could be defending a pedophile. Of course, Everybody on the left, nobody cared something. when Bill Clinton and you yeah. know nobody cared about that. But um, it puts people in a tough position, and when you have a whole bunch of accusers come out, there's this faulty reasoning that – honestly, people don't think about it. There's no thinking involved in it. The, the feeling is they want to believe it so bad on either side, and in some cases, there's going to be truth to it. In other cases, it's gonna, things are going to be fabricated. Look, all of these people who have been accused over the past few weeks – there's no way that all of them are guilty. Some of them, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give one of the accusations in a minute just to show how they're conflating the the really bad stuff with the stuff that's nothing really, just to show how they're. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but by by just there's this faulty reasoning of oh well, and I read this same quote almost verbatim in in like ten different articles yesterday. It gets to the point of when there's so many people who've come out and accused that it's hard not to believe it's true. That that is faulty oh, logic, yeah. faulty reasoning. Oh, that made Unless me crazy. They kept saying six women, six women, and it's like, yes, you can get six liars. But they had the same story. I'm like, right. okay, did they tell those stories in like a double blind test where they hurt each other? You know, or this, were they asked leading questions that they yeah. said yes to? You, you know, there's it's no so background crazy. to. There's so many ways that they can manipulate that. And th- I mean, that's a that's a known propaganda technique. That's been, they've used that type of technique. You know, probably since the beginning of time. Yeah, fallacious argument. Yeah, you want to brand somebody with something. If you don't have a strong argument that has a whole bunch of evidence, you just get a whole bunch of people to repeat the same thing over and over again. And in some cases, there are a bunch of victims. So that's why that's why it's hard. But when one group of people on an emotional level wants to believe something so badly, all they need is that high number, six, seven, eight, nine, and it becomes 40 people accused so-and-so. You're going to tell me 40 people are lying or I'm going to say, yeah, that's possible. It, it's, you, look at the, you look at a case-by-case basis, and if you start seeing a little bit of evidence here, a little bit of evidence there, then you start to, you start to build a case in support of the fact that maybe he did do something. But just a, simply by accusing someone of something, you don't have credible – an accusation from a random person is not credible evidence until you look into that accusation, but all they rely on is that number. Now, I haven't looked deeply into the Roy Moore accusations because, frankly, so many accusations get so many people coming out randomly that it, it, you can't keep up with all of it. So I'm just I'm, – I'm going to assume that some of these people are guilty and some of these people aren't. But the reason they're doing this, there's a there's a number of reasons they're doing this, is basically if everybody's guilty, then nobody's guilty because you can't prosecute everybody. You can't prosecute most of these cases anyway because the you know, statute of limitations. But if everybody's guilty, nobody's guilty, and it's a societal problem, so you can give them treatment like they gave yes. – Weinstein, like they gave Spacey, and right. you can the people who actually did really bad stuff don't get punished. They get thrown in with like I'm going to read you one of the um, 
what one of the accusations is. And there's a lot of them that are like this. And this is an effect it's having on people. Not only, you know, this can be stimulated artificially. People can come out and say like these, no, this is definitely sexual assault and cause other people to feel like they've been, it's a bandwagon effect. If everybody's hashtagging me too, people feel left out. They say, maybe I was sexually assaulted as well. And people start, they start reading things in into actions and words that might not be there because they've muddied the waters on purpose because it broadens their victim pool. If they actually went by the letter of the law and were specific and concrete about what sexual assault and sexual harassment is, then they would exclude people. They don't want to exclude people. They want everybody to feel like they've been assaulted at some point. So here's, here's what one of the actions is. And this is actually Weinstein's brother. His brother, who many believe is a person who threw Harvey Weinstein under the bus to begin with because he didn't like the way he was running the business, he was accused, and this is what the, this is what the accuser did. A female showrunner who worked for Weinstein Co. on The Mist has accused Bob Weinstein of sexual harassment during the production of a Spike TV series. Amanda Siegel, an executive producer, said that Weinstein repeatedly made romantic overtures to her and asked her to join him for private dinners. The harassment began in the summer of 2016 and continued on and off for about three months until until, uh, Siegel's lawyer informed TWC executives that she would not be working there anymore if Bob Weinstein did not continue contacting her on personal matters. No should be enough, Siegel told Variety, and no, anybody who has asked you out should just move on after hearing no. Bob kept referring to me that he wanted to have a friendship. He didn't want a friendship. He wanted more than that. That's the sexual assault accusation. He asked her out <laughs> repeatedly. Yes. It, and so basically that's annoying. if this is the standard, yeah, but it's also right. how some, some people, but that's it. I mean, sex is the, you know, male, female is there for sex. It just exists. So if you want to mix up the workplace, I mean, when, when they, when women went into the military, you can't, I mean, my father was like horribly opposed to that because it was just, he, he, predicted what would happen and and it has happened and right. I, i'm not saying women shouldn't be in the workplace i mean no it's it's I, i'm just saying it's it's a part of getting asked out happens at work and, and getting asked out again after saying no is part of like a million marriage stories i told him no three times <laughs> before i finally caved and that was 80 years ago and she's saying no should be enough or it's sexual harassment and that the, and what they're doing there is see this is being paired with you know his brother who like 50 people are like yeah he raped me so he right. rapes a bunch of people versus he asked me out again after saying no are being treated right. the same way yes. he's on the same list as his brother yeah, and that's interesting. these are being treated. So when this becomes a societal problem, instead of a problem where people can be punished, then, you know, punishment's the same. They both go to therapy or whatever. And what this also does is this is the First Amendment problem right here. This is you can't even you don't even know. It's not like you said a second ago. It's not going to be an objective standard. The standard of proof is going to be how you subjectively make someone feel and if you make someone feel like they've been harassed if they subjectively determine that then they can accuse you of that and you can be branded a sexual harasser perhaps they're even trying to change policy to fit that which i believe they are 
potentially even jail time in the future based on the subjective feeling of one individual. And the reason they can do that, at least they want to do that, is because if they had some sort of objective standard that was like the letter of the law, then men could make the same claims um, against you know gay guys. Gay guys are pretty – they're gay guys are dudes, right? And so they're going to be just as aggressive towards the people that they're going after. So if it becomes this standard and a guy wanted to make that claim, since it's going to be a subjective thing, they're going to say, no, you didn't get sexually harassed. So they're going to base it on how, how people were made to feel. And it could go even deeper than that in that you can – they, you can't, then they're saying you can't say certain things. And right, I can exactly. see with my kids, like my son got in trouble at school because he said, uh, just jokingly slave. He said, somebody oh, was yeah. like being a slowpoke and he was like, hurry up slave. And the teacher lost his mind, you know, just really. And, he, and my son was like, what? We ended slavery. We fought a war against slavery. I'm against slavery. I was just kidding. You know? And the guy was like, there's mass genocide all over the world. And he was just like, but I wasn't talking about mass genocide, <laughs> you know? So then that's when the kid said, you know, he got in trouble for a few things like that at his new school. And, uh, and that's when he said, I won't have any opinions anymore. And, uh, and so if you're not allowed to say things, you're not allowed to think them, you know, and if you can't think them, you can't think then, uh, you know, it could be as easy as to say they don't, they want you to stop thinking of sex when you see women. Maybe they, they're okay with the male sexual, you probably won't hear as much about the gay sexual harassment and it may be even more prevalent. I, I was sexually harassed by a woman. I mean, and she was extremely aggressive. Uh, but I read a great, uh, a quote in this book, The Dead by Hank Harrison about the Grateful Dead. Hank Harrison was Courtney Love's father. And some people think he was Jerry Garcia's CIA handler. I don't know. <laughs> but he, there was a quote in the book that it was during like the original women's lib this was about. And he said, uh, I try to tell these chicks that censorship is worse than chauvinism. And the guy, He's not a very sympathetic person, this author. I don't, I don't like him. I like the book, but I don't like him. And, uh, but he's right about, I think he's right about that. So like on Fox News, when they say bigotry is the worst crime a person could commit, it's like, no, raping a child, you know, uh, torture and murder, like that kind of stuff is worse. And, but what I object to when they say it, put it in those terms, those super, super scary, reprehensible terms is that, uh, that you learn to not think, not allow yourself to think at all. And if you can't think even, you know, if you can't allow yourself to think something that is, is not okay to think, then you simply can't think anything that you haven't been told is okay to think. And then you have no creativity. Uh, Yeah. And they're teaching kids or they're teaching male, male children to feel like they're sexual predators and that that's something they, they have to learn to overcome. That yeah. And, they, and this is all part of the emasculation of men and the, and the like kind of um, masculinization, I guess, of women. I, I, I'm, I was a very productive investment banker with like I'm great at numbers. I was also good at law. Like, I'm not saying I'm not a productive person. I'm just saying, and thank God, because like after how I grew up and my mother's like a prisoner in my house, basically it's good that we have economic options. I appreciate that. But there is something valid about, uh, 
about the role men play, about the role women play in a family, in a community. Um, it happens to stem from their natural abilities. Women have children and have them nurse. You know, they they have them with them. There's that nurturing thing. Men don't have that and they have more strength so they can, you know, drag home the carcass or whatever. But if you if you take away the, these roles, if you mess it up like that, I really feel like it all comes down to being able to control society, even to the point of like the civil unrest yeah. thing. If you have men who are not allowed to feel like men, are not allowed to own guns or speak freely, if you really make them that timid, I'm not saying I want aggressive men. I Aggressive men scare me. I was sexually harassed, even sexually abused in my life many times. And uh, it's, it's scarring. But at the same time, if you if you take away all masculinity, all roles, <clears throat> you do make the population more vulnerable. Uh, people won't stand up for themselves, and they yeah. Won't. There's no threat to the status the status quo. Yes, and leaders. they can't question the assumptions they're being taught because they're no longer capable of thinking. There's right. no strength. There's no courage. I'm not and women too. Like the don't don't let them tell you. You know, you have to go be a tax slave. You don't have to be a tax slave. They keep raising the taxes because we go out and work and keep working. That's great. It's I love it. I do it. I'm just saying, you. You can think for yourself. Like they tell you to think for yourself by going and being a lawyer. It's like, no, think for yourself by deciding what you want to do. And if you want to have a, you know, what your economic role, your, what your domestic role should be, but think for yourself and have the courage to stand up for it. Uh, I feel, I feel like this is part of that like fundamental change they're going for in society. To make uh, absolutely. This is very, very, this rings very true of, um, the communist push back in the, you know, the early thirties or whatever. And, you know, actually I was thinking about this in relation to McCarthyism, in my opinion, because I, I, here's what the communists did. They decided back in the thirties at the international um, communist conference or communist Congress, the seventh, the seventh communist Congress, that they were going to basically go underground and shed their communist colors and co-opt organizations, the United Front. So they were going to infiltrate all these organizations, and they were going to take on the language and the image of these other organizations. It's going to take over the course of, of decades so that they could gain political power behind a cloak of somebody else's name and face because people, the open communist appeals at that point in time did not have legitimacy. And they were very clear about their willingness to do this. They, they would do it constitutionally or, or legally when they had avenues to do it, but when they didn't, they would always subvert. They would always subvert. That was always their go-to, deception and subversion. And like you were talking about a second ago, you were basically talking about subversion, sub subverting the Constitution, the Bill of Rights and everything do it by uh, you know making, making uh, circumstances where people can't talk. Or say say what's on their mind and guilty Who, until proven innocent. It's all exactly. over the summary executions, um, in these crime scenes. It's and now it's taken on this uh, in the political realm with these sexual harassment accusations. I, absolutely, it's everywhere. Yeah, and it's when everywhere when McCarthyism Free happened, crime. yeah, when all these people, all these communists got outed, so to speak, it reached a point kind of like this is to where. It didn't. It lost its meaning. Someone said. Someone said you're a communist, and it's like you're calling everybody a communist. It's, if everybody's yeah, guilty, yeah, nobody's yeah. guilty. So what that does is, yeah. when it loses its meaning, it gives those people who actually were 
carrying on subversive yes, cover. activities. Yeah, yes. They can go back underground. And I believe that they did that on purpose. I believe yes. that was intentional to complete the shedding of their colors so that they made people believe that communism was dead. And or, you know, the you know, communism is or just- that it was harmless because if it's everywhere right. and there's no damage. That's the funny thing about McCarthy is that my mother loved Joe McCarthy. Can you believe it? My mother loved Joe McCarthy and she thought that he was truly wronged. And I think maybe he was a good guy. And he was so right about the communists. It, it, there, the Venona papers came out after the uh, the USSR fell and and the people he accused were actual spies, the cleaning lady, you know, they were spies. He was right. He didn't follow, I think he did, uh, he wasn't scrupulous. I believe it's possible, I don't know, I didn't really make a study of it, that he wasn't scrupulous about the law in that way. But, um, but the outcome was so, the opposite. It backfired so severely that you, you have to start to wonder if he was, I doubt he was in on it. I mean, I think he like died of alcoholism and was really dejected. Uh, but if he was what they, what I've been accused of as being a useful idiot, you know, just like being, a, I, I was accused of being a useful idiot because someone said I allow people to vent and they, and, and because of that, they won't take action that they think I represent them, but I don't actually make an impact. Um, but in his case, he, he, uh, he made such an impact that it took out uh, any potential to really to really excise the problem. Yeah, and that that's what happens anytime anytime any group is is getting outed or any person is about to get outed. I mean, this is this is written about in Harold Laswell's Propaganda During World War that. If you're getting outed, if it's inevitable that damning information is going to come out, you go you go on the attack and you overwhelm the public with information. So, in in the case of McCarthyism, you just start accusing everybody. If you're about to come out, if you're because if you're not in isolation, it's the same thing that's going on right here. If a couple people are going to be guilty, you got to start accusing everybody so it gets flooded out and you can't prosecute everybody. You can't if everybody. That's very it, it very down. interesting. I that. Now I get what you're saying, really. Like in this case, who is it all to protect right. Harvey Weinstein? Well, if anybody's going to get it, it's him. I'll tell you what. What they're not talking about is they're not talking about pedophilia, really. Like that thing with the, Kevin right. Spacey's – you know, the kid looked young. Had he hit puberty? I don't know. He was 14 at the time. He looked like a really young kid. He talked about himself. But when you hear the stories of other people coming out, and there seems to be credible evidence to it, and of course he would get his case also, although Except there's not going to be – more. Roy Moore is the one where they're saying he right, liked it. Exactly. They're, they're saying the pedophile stuff. And I, you know, I said all along when the Weinstein thing first happened that he I think they I think this is a plan. They did it on purpose. I think he was part of it. I think a lot of these I think yeah, Kevin I like was women part of it. with you know fully formed <laughs> boobs. Like right. I'm I'm one of the good guys. <laughs> well, I, I think that he, I think that he's probably if he's involved in some of the other stuff, he's saying you can throw me under the bus here. And that's going to by by doing that, that's going to sweep away all the other stuff. Nobody's ever going to to sell his bankrupt company without making it look like he's selling it because it's bankrupt. But right, he could but also it could be a little McCarthy? bit of both though. Because if you're if you're talking about yeah, everything, yeah, I agree, I agree. All of this, then because nobody's talking. See, people are talking about Bill Clinton right now. There are people on the left who are pretending they're they're retroactively saying Bill Clinton should have stepped down. With the Monica Lewinsky thing, they're only saying that because they're going they're they're going to be directing allegations towards Trump here, 
we, at the we're time to... they were saying you guys are such squares when it comes to sex. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that whole thing was a diversion from Whitewater. And Mina and stuff. Ken Starr was 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 engaged to do a criminal investigation, and he turned it into a soap opera with sex. He was not engaged to investigate Monica Lewinsky. That was a diversion. Right. But I want to say something about McCarthy. Let me finish my thought on that. Yeah. Uh, they were saying – they're saying now – they're writing articles how he should have stepped down. They're saying this so that they can justify what they say about Trump, saying he needs to step down. And – but what they're not talking about, like this is how you know that they're full of it, is they're not talking about the fact that Kevin Spacey was on the Lolita Express with Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein the, and, and uh, Maxwell uh, Jezzanine or whatever her name oh, is. They're yeah, not, just they're not talking time. about the connections. They're not talking about the court-documented connections, which we did a long show on, that it's yeah. undeniable that there are some very unco- – like Trump had, Trump had some connections with Epstein too, but, but his you can actually – Fine. You can actually – Trump, he comes out looking all right in that situation when you really investigate it, when you talk to him. Yeah, I think even the whistleblower yeah. said that Trump would right. just sit in the kitchen with him. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I never thought of Trump. I mean I have – I think Trump is an actor extraordinaire, but uh, I never – That's what I, they're not I, talking about. They're, they're and saying, he had an MO in New York where he would pick chicks out of the crowd, which is what Clinton used to do. And uh, I just the, like the allegation that he raped a thirteen-year-old. I just cannot. He just doesn't. Yeah, I looked right. at that. I mean, I, I investigated that allegation. The ones that have come forward against Trump, and I'm not saying that he might not have done something. I don't know. I'm just saying that the ones they have presented, like the porn star, who came forward, and every two seconds she mentioned her website. She mentioned her new <laughs> business, and I, I typed in her name. What comes up first? Her website. This was a public relations stunt. Nobody filed any actions. Uh, you look at the background. Of, of the interaction, at least this porn star and a few of the other ones, and the porn star was at an event where she was paid to go to the event for her company to solicit money from billionaires, and her story is Trump hugged me too tight and walked me around the golf course and invited me to his room, and I brought two girls with me. So you're telling me a porn star who's paid to go flirt with billionaires to try and get investments for their film production company brings two girls to Trump's room? He's thinking jackpot, and you're saying it's sexual harassment? I found a picture of this girl at a booth, which she describes as being a booth. I can't remember the girl's name. Um, Wicked Pictures Productions was the production company, but – Showing that, what that she does. Yeah, showing what she does at these booths when she goes to these events. And she's standing with her legs locked, facing the booth, with her ass in the air, wearing a thong, while all of the men who she's trying to sell products and get investments from are around her ass, googling her ass, and she's shaking it in front of them. This is what she was doing at this event that she claims Trump harassed her at. And, and nobody yeah, let's, like let's clarify what we're talking about here. These, when you, I try to tell my daughter, you know, as my husband says, just because you can wear a meat suit to the zoo doesn't mean it's a good idea. So like, I'll say to my daughter, don't wear, and I'm actually kind of, uh, my standards for modesty are probably higher than your average mom, just because I think it's, I don't think it's nice. I don't like it to be able to see somebody's underwear hanging out from the bottom of their shorts. Like, I just don't even think it's like nice looking so i try to teach my daughter to have like a little class in that regard and uh and 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 i'm like you know plus it's gross like people are gonna have weird thoughts about you kind of young 
and she'll say, they have, nobody has any rights to touch me. I can dress however I can walk around naked. No one has any rights to touch me. I'm like, that's a hundred percent true. No yeah. one has any right to touch you. That is absolutely true. And you could do whatever you want, whatever you want. And no one has the right to touch you. However, you shouldn't walk around with your junk hanging out and thinking that people aren't going to think weird stuff. People are gross. Lead us not in temptation. Like you don't want to do that. It's not, you don't want to do it. And in the workplace, it's, it's very distracting. It's inappropriate. What you want to do at a workplace is keep that stuff contained. Like what you want to do. That's why chicks wear suits that are, you know, not, or I used to intentionally wear clothes that were not sexy because I needed to have conversations with people. I wanted them to look me in the eyes, you know, and yeah, you just use your head. But this chick, there's absolutely no, like people are not allowed to drag her off into a room or whatever. If you, if she was flirtatiously kissing a a guy like Trump or whatever, and he puts his hand around her waist, I mean, that seems like a quid pro quo to me. Right. That's my point. You're not going to be too strict about, you you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't draw a fine line if what you're doing is walking the line. I'm not saying it's her fault. I'm just saying you cannot judge that kind of a situation, that kind of a nuance from the outside. If he slipped her a roofie, then yes, you well, can well, judge that. I should <laughs> clarify. Her claim wasn't even – it wasn't even a claim of assault. She said that Trump kissed her, and after describing the event and then after looking at her pictures at all other similar events where she's kissing random guys on the cheek, some on the mouth, putting her ass – her standard mode of behavior is to come on to wealthy people. Then – yeah, and if she initiated the touching, you know what I mean? Yeah, she said he hugged her tight, he kissed her on the cheek, and he asked her or he offered to pay her to have sex with him. Now, all of that might be true. None of it's sexual harassment. Now, yeah, I mean, even if he asked her repeatedly, <laughs> you know, like the other yeah. chick was like, Bob Weinstein asked me out repeatedly, asked her repeatedly for, uh, I mean, it was a 30 minute commercial for her new business. And I watched like uh, they were all represented by Gloria Award. None of them filed charges that all red, all red. Yeah. Um, And all of them mentioned their business and their websites throughout the entire press conference. They all got 30 minute commercials for their um, entrepreneurial ventures. Well, that's when you look at these people and say, well, six people accused Roy Moore, not five. If it was five, I wouldn't believe it, but it's six. Right. You know, it's like, okay, but what are they, what are they in on? What are they, maybe every one of those people has some yeah. parking violations. So, you know, like you don't know why people are saying that stuff. When you're talking about political power or access to media or what, what people might have underneath it all and and there's also statute of limitations in this roy moore's case i mean it's like 30 or 40 years ago statute of limitations is there for a reason it's because it's very hard to defend yourself or to prove allegations it's really a bad defense it's really it's a protection for you because it's very hard to defend yourself after all that time has gone by you don't remember and you can't can't remember your alibis and all that kind of stuff it's just not fair to to bring all that old stuff up and and you know who knows why why people lie or 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 choose to say if it's subjective you can choose to say it was wrong. Yeah. That's why you have to stay away from those subjectivity things because then 
But that, that's what they're going for, though. What they're really doing here, like they're doing in so many other areas, is exactly what Michael Chertoff uh, right. benignly stated, just yep. casually, sweetly slipped in in the most intellectual uh, little thing. Oh, we just need to change the fundamental legal architecture. It's different now. That's exactly what I have written in my notes. You led me there. Yeah, that's I was I knew that you uh that would come to your mind because uh <laughs> yes, it did. You know, chert off. There's articles where people are talking about how they need they're fundamentally transforming, you know, the legal that this is going to fundament like the same language that Chertoff used. There's articles. Oh, talking really? About, yeah, about the, how new policy, the policy we have now, isn't working. This is a fundamental shift in our legal process. This is a well, tipping point. You nailed it in saying that if everybody's guilty, nobody's guilty. That that then it's systemic, it's policy, it's cultural, and and here we've really taken to the extreme the idea that policy shapes culture. They want you to believe that culture shapes policy. But I, I think at this point with their their psychotronic weapons and their psychological studies, their understanding of crowds and power and media and all that stuff, which they do not share with us, and the MK Ultra experiments, which uh, Joe Atwell talks about as being not my, the podcast I like so much, uh, that he does not, uh, that the MK Ultra thing wasn't really about creating assassins. Which the MK Ultra was mind control project of the CIA in the sixties or whatever seventies maybe that it wasn't about creating assassins like Sirhan Sirhan although it might have or sex slaves like Marilyn Monroe although it might have it was really about understanding controlling the masses that that it was actually a project that was meant to understand the psyche in order to control it and mass and yeah. Uh, yeah they've been studying the unconscious mind the psyche. For over a hundred years, like Bernays talks about that in his book, like he talks formally about at that and, level. Yeah, I mean, investigating or investing millions of dollars, billions at this point, in, into studying and implementing and testing these things. Like you tell people stuff about psychology or social sciences, and they go, "Oh, I get it. I get propaganda." I'm like, "No, I don't think you understand. These people have been <laughs> investing billions of dollars for over a hundred years, at least, testing and." scientifically improving these methods i don't think your you know high school psychology class got you up to their speed yeah how about creating psychological dysfunction you know think about the drug war think of what they so when we had our show last week on wsb about the texas shooter or the one before the people were all calling like this is mental illness like maybe but it's mental illness that's impo- that that is being intentionally cultivated by the people who bring you the drug war, by the people who bring you uh, psychopharmacology, by the people who bring you, uh, you know, government education. We're being, even if all these shootings happen to be surging massively because there's a fundamental shift in the psyche, that that was not organic that didn't just pop up out of nowhere the government even funds the technologies from birth control to the internet that change our culture so fundamentally so rapidly and disconnect us from our parents where we might have had some grounding 
or our culture or community or church or anything. I mean, you, you have to look at it holistically. You have to look at it, the whole society yeah. and how, how dramatically it's changed and for the worse in it, it, as far as mental health goes. And here you have these guys who are totally out of bounds and we're saying, well, it's a social problem, whatever. Let's make a law. Right. The former president of Facebook, he came out on – it was some recording or I don't, it was an interview or something, but he was talking about how Facebook was intentionally messing people up, how they're getting them addicted. They were making them depressed, anxious when they were away from Facebook, all that stuff you just talked about. He openly talked about how Facebook was doing that. This is like two weeks ago. He's no longer the president there. He's the former president, but he – Openly admitted that they do. I mean, and you know that if you read the studies about it, and really if you just know that it's, you know, people get antsy, it's a drug. I mean, it, they talked about how the screen time has a similar effect on children's mind that heroin addiction has on. People. Oh my gosh, I have to tell you this. So, wait, first let me say so the internet. They, this adds a new wrinkle to the my like the internet is a limited hangout thing. It's it gives them the ability to surveil us night and day if that's a word. Yeah. It gives them the ability now they're going to flip it so it's purely censored so they're going to control the information we get. But it's also a psychotropic psychotronic weapon. Yeah. In that way, so my son yeah. has Down syndrome, and I find the insights he brings that I get from him because of the way he just absorbs stimuli raw and brings them home what he says stuff about slavery that he's learning in school donald trump's bringing back slavery you know like he he'll point to people and say oh mom he's african i'm like he's american what are you talking about look at him you know he's getting that at school you know and they want to act like they they're against racism and stuff i don't teach my kids to look at people that way he gets that at school and i know it because unlike the other kids who absorb it he doesn't it just you know it just ricochets around his brain and (laughs) shoots back out his mouth but the electronics are also a way to just see the raw way uh it affects him so he was so addicted to youtube and all he wanted to watch was horror that i had to take his little crappy little laptop away he had a Chromebook. I took it away and, and I just let him use my phone once. You know, I started letting him use it like every morning. To, he just watches YouTube while I get the other kids off to school. And uh, he started being like saying bad words and bad things. And so we took it away from him. Uh, yesterday, I've gone through this ritual with him a few times, but I was sitting yesterday and I took the YouTube away from him. So he was going through withdrawals. He was, and I've seen heroin addicts. You know, I've lost family members to heroin. I've gotten them back when they've kicked the habit. But I have seen drug addicts, on drugs, off drugs, withdrawing from drugs, uh, lying about the drugs they're using, stealing from you for their drugs. This guy with the YouTube, he was so angry, vicious, irrational. I mean, this is the sweetest guy under normal circumstances. He was what we term hulking out. I mean, he was just, I was, I remained calm, but I could have been nervous because he's getting bigger. And uh, I said to my other son, who was like definitely a little nervous, I said, man, this is, this is addiction. What you are witnessing is addiction and you have it too. You don't exhibit it this obviously, but you have it and it's from the screens. I mean, it is, it does something inside your brain as if you doused a a physical chemical on it. Sorry for the rant, but I'm just telling you, 
I never saw anything like it before. My, my husband's reading a book called Glow Kids about that in the hopes of finding a little more insight. I mean, I don't want to take it away from them completely. I can't live. Here's a question. Here's a little, put me on the, I was going to say, put me on the couch. Would that be sexual harassment, Binkley? Well, I guess it depends on the context. <laughs> I guess it depends on if you like me or not, right? Yeah, Didn't you exactly. say that it's sexual harassment if they if you don't like somebody. <laughs> so on the psychiatrist's couch, I would like to ask. Uh, so I see my kids like this. I see my uh, from the screens to the immodesty to whatever. I personally, I really do not have the time or energy to create a home and and my husband doesn't buy into it as much as I do anyway, but to create a home life that's completely outside the culture that we live in. So I can't take away all of the screens. I can't have my daughter uh, dress like I dress. I just, I can't, I can't, uh, I don't know if it makes even sense to fight those, the fight in that way, because I was raised rather in a sheltered way. And as I said, I, we've already buried two people, to, my, two of my siblings to drug use. I mean, you, I don't know how to uh, live in the world of screens, knowing how, what an impact it all has from the, from the actual addiction part of it to the content. It's full, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. What's your answer? A friend of mine's kids, I I started telling her a lot of the similar stuff. I was like, you know, it's stuff like heroin to them, right? Because they because they they were doing the same thing that you're describing here. They were freaking out when they had to have put their tablets. I mean, losing it. I've seen it's, little babies. I I saw it at that party I was in. I maybe I told you about in Mexico. People, some people had their little babies, like babes in arms. Like it wasn't for children. It was for little babies. They have them in their high chair with their iPad in a in a little like Teletubby thing. Oh my gosh, Teletubbies was yeah. addictive programming. Yeah, wow, yeah. I just realized that. So the kids have their high chairs, and the moms, they they like they're trying to introduce their baby to these people at the party, and the baby's like, ah! you know, like really screaming. Like you take the thing away, right? Freak out, baby. And the kid's probably watching a YouTube channel where it's puppets jerking off and cussing every two seconds. <laughs> Well, that's the problem with my son who has Down syndrome. He's 15. He's 15 and he's got, his tastes are kind of weird. And I, and I, and I don't know where it's going to end up. I mean, even the horror stuff, even guys yeah. playing video games, sometimes he watches, they're using strange language. Oh, they're absolutely. They're talking viciously about killing. That's their favorite channels. Like the ones that are vulgar and crazy are the, the, the most popular ones. What she did, I told her about some of the studies they've done and the effect that it has on them. And I sent her the links. She just sat down with her kids, and she was like, I know you're mad at me, but here, well, we're going to read through these things together. And she had them read through those articles, and um, that helped them. You know, they it's still well, – it's not easy for them, but that helped them understand but what why. what do they do instead? Because there aren't kids in my neighborhood out Go there playing outside, stickball. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're not. They're not playing stickball. They When I let my kids out – they go into other people's houses and then just go do it there. They then all of a sudden they want to go over to their friends' houses because their friends have no controls like that. Right. And then how much are they going to read? I, you know, and then do I have to entertain them? You know what I mean? They're getting older. Yeah, do I have yeah. to babysit them now? I moved to a non-neighborhood on purpose. I moved from my nice, beautiful neighborhood to a not neighborhood so that I could I could control where my kids went. Right, because they were disappearing into houses, and there was a little bit of a scandal where all the eight-year-olds were watching, you know, SEX on YouTube. 
Now yeah. my kid escaped that, but I was like, I can't, I can't have them free range kids because they free range right into somebody's, uh, you know, lair. They get a cabin in the woods, maybe. Actually, I've always wanted to get off the grid. I've, well, I've said that since I, I went out with a billionaire once who I just talked to the other day on the phone. He had some rough times. And I said, you know, I told you we should have moved to Wisconsin. Take a hundred mil off the top. He's like, what would be the point? I was like, just kidding. I wanted to just get off the grid. Forget it. Just go. I tell my husband, but every time he gets a raise, his tax rate goes up and his tax bracket goes up. And I, I realized like 15 years ago, it's like, oh my gosh, we're on a treadmill. This is never going to end. Let's just go. Let's just quit. They win. I want to be a waitress again. Forget it. And he's yeah. like, no, no, we'll get there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not getting <laughs> We're just not going to get there. Okay. I want to read some of these solutions that have been offered up for the, you know, the sexual assault harassment epidemic, this avalanche of sexual assault that's going on. It's no telling <laughs> he's going to be accused next. Everybody. Man, it's been going on for so long. It's probably less than it used to be. Honestly, and... not everybody's getting in trouble. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time, but now, you know, it's only being exposed because there's an agenda there. The people they aren't going to get in trouble. In fact, I'll make a prediction right now that because Brian Cranston, you know who that is? Yeah. Who He's the guy from Breaking Bad and yeah, not in the middle. Might very well be one of the next accused. I know he's the last person people think, but after yeah. watching this interview, it wouldn't surprise me if he is. Because he was talking about how there's going to be there can be there can be redemption for Weinstein and for Kevin Spacey. And I said this as soon as this happened that I think that these two are going to come back a lot like Polanski, and they're going to be treated as heroes. They recovered. Well, let, can I read you this quote real quick? Yeah, this go ahead. Jerry Stutz. The congressional page scandal was from the 80s where these guys had these teenage pages in Congress, and they were having sex with them, and they actually ended the page program. But here was one of the examples was this guy, Jerry Studs. It said, like Dan Crane, who I think was with a chick, female, teen. Democrat Jim, Jerry Studs was also censured by the House in 1983 for having sex with a teenage congressional page. Uh, but in an unexpected twist, the unmarried Studs turned the moment to his advantage and continued to be reelected until his retirement in 1997. When Studs was censured before the House, he made the most of the moment by unapologetically coming out, making him the first openly gay member of Congress. Sounds a lot like Kevin Spacey. Yep, and he kept his seat until he retired. Maybe Spacey was one of those kids. Maybe. And maybe he maybe he made lemonade. I'm betting right now that those two come back and they're treated as heroes. Yeah, I thought so with Kevin Spacey, too. I was like, I don't. I'm not buying. Bill Cosby's not coming back as a hero, though. Let me go into some of these solutions because these are very telling in where they're going to go with it. One of the things they're trying to do is they're trying to pass something in the Supreme Court where they can file a class action lawsuit. So everybody who claims they were sex – because there's like some people who – it's like 300 people accused – That's ridiculous. These are individual actions that I need know. to be proven individually. A class action is when you make something and everybody gets gets a problem from your single action. Right. This is the transformation that I'm talking about with, with like Chertoff, the transfer, fundamental transformation of the legal system. I got included in a class action lawsuit recently because of a robocall I got like years ago. Didn't even know I was a victim, but now I'm included. So that's I got to check for something like that. Yeah. Right. So, so 
for all all I know, I could get included. Well, not me, but a woman could get included in this sexual assault thing, and she might not even realize she was assaulted. Wow. What is the definition of sexual assault? Like, is it possible to be sexually assaulted without without knowing? What's well, the they're trying. They're trying to do what you said, where they have an idea that they want to shift the policy somehow. Like I was talking about earlier, they want it to be more subjective because we're going to have virtual reality world included in this, and people are going to be saying they were virtual. Oh yeah. Did so it's going to be totally subjective. And uh, they got to create enough outrage so they have to keep it broad enough. They cannot define it concretely. They can't bring the letter of the law in. If they bring the letter of the law in, then it excludes people. They want to keep their victim base wide open and draw more people in, create outrage, and that outrage in turn demands that the law gets changed, which is what they're talking about right now, changing the law because of all these victims, Um, which not to say that there aren't real victims. There are real victims, but these real victims – it's a lot harder for them to get actual justice because they're bringing everybody in. Because there is a way to get actual justice. You have to bring a tort. Like Bill O'Reilly's victims, victim or victims, they get paid off for because they have evidence. It's so easy to get evidence nowadays, too, because they leave messages on your voicemail. They text you. You have your phone. You could just turn it on. It's so easy to get that kind of evidence. Now... I was actually taught in business school in a class called organizational behavior that if you're going to sue your company, you better make, you better be sure for anything. You better be sure you're going to make enough money to never work again for the rest of your life because no one is going to hire you. Yeah. Hire a sewer. Now that is a deterrent, but the very, that's why I actually, some people are surprised here that I actually am in favor of like huge settlements, huge trial awards and stuff is that it's, uh, I have been involved uh, in a, just trying to get the money that I was owed for my company on a contract that I had. I wasn't looking for extra punitive or anything. Um, it's so painful to go through that process. It, really, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I'd do it for, I mean, I'd have to be sure I was making a lot, a lot of money to go through it and you need to be encouraged to do it by having a big, the potential for big payday. So if, if, if one in a hundred people gets a hundred million dollars, it gets a hundred people to sue for that or a million, you know, uh, it's right. like the lottery. So I'm just saying that you, you need to, there is recourse. The law is there and why isn't it working? I don't know, but, uh, what you don't need is to change the fundamental laws yet. And the only reason the media is addressing this is that, as you said earlier, there is an agenda and it's not to get justice for these people or they would never have spiked all the Weinstein stories in the first place. Yeah. Or they'd pay attention to people like R. Kelly. You know, who says gross things, right? No, who has sex slaves, who has been uh, like, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people. Did you like pee on somebody? Yes, there's a bunch of people that don't fit the pro the, the profile that aren't included in these and aren't getting oh, talked yeah. about at all. Didn't Larry David said it's only the Jewish guys who are getting targeted? It is a lot of Jewish guys, but it's a lot of rich white dudes, and there's uh, a lot of powerful elites in every industry, and they're also they're scaling it down to tell women, which I'm going to tell you. Let me go through this list. This uh, list will um, shed light on some of it. One of the first things that I saw that they want people to do, the actions that they're encouraging people to take. This is an indivisible thing, by the way. This is very indivisible that 
that uh, Bolshevik group, which Obama helps fund, is the group that is largely behind a lot of this. See something, do something is what I call this one. An actionable step is people need to be held accountable, but not just the perpetrator, the bystander. Men specifically is what they talk about. What? All men need to be held accountable. That is fundamentally – that right. is against – the fundamental law is you don't have to be a good Samaritan unless you stand in the way. So if you're sitting with somebody who's choking and the guy next to you wants to save the choking victim and you say, I got it, and you know – then you're responsible. Or if it's clear that you yeah. if you act like you have it under control so other people do not act, that's it. There's no other – you're not obliged to act. That is so – Yeah, so you're guilty off. if your friend does it and, and or if somebody you see does it. But here's the thing. Here's what this also causes. Remember we talked about the subjective standard. Since nobody has a clear – concrete definition of what it is and since people are allowed to say that someone asked me out and i said no so that's sexual harassment because he asked me out again people are allowed to, f to form their own determination of what sexual assault or sexual harassment is so they're going to see two people walking down the street who you know got their arms around each other and from their subjective point of view that's going to be sexual assault they might go take action and do something Honestly, I saw a, a teenage couple walking out of the, my son's school, and the boy, I mean, just had his hand. It was – I wanted to – I really wanted to call her parents anyway. But uh, but I mind my own business because it was clearly consensual. Right. However, if I were to be – fear uh, legal repercussions, uh, some people might might change that. So, Absolutely. And so that's what they're, they're trying to get people to uh, see something, do something based on their own subjective belief, feeling of what is or is not sexual harassment or assault. You're making my blood run cold. There's like five of these. It'll probably do All that. Right. I'll stop interrupting you. Go. This next one is to hold the Harvey Weinstein of every industry accountable. And after I saw that, I started looking up some of the other industries. And other industries that have been included that people of late since the Harvey Weinstein effect kicked in have been uh, – people have been accused has been Uber drivers, Jameis Winston, the football player, the wealthy football player, um, and also a bunch of other rich people have been accused of sexually harassing Uber drivers. That plays into the driverless car thing because if you can't – Totally, and it's bull. Because Uber is the perfect monitoring device. You have to give your license. You have to be, you have to give your credit card on the one hand and your license on the other. You, and you have no loyalty to each other. So you're not going to be like, I'm going to lose my job. You would rat on each other in a second. I ratted on some guy for hanging up on me, like for, for canceling the trip against the rules. And I never ratted in my life. I felt bad, but he <laughs> was going to ruin Uber. Like right. you can't. You know, you can't have people not showing up. Right, yeah, yeah. And and the sexuals, that would ruin Uber. You have to tell, you have to get rid of those people because Uber, I love Uber, but I know that it's it's a stepping stone to it's done, yeah. world government. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, is that bad? I hate to tell people. You don't want people knowing you ratted on somebody, you know. Dude, as a Brooklynite, I mean, you could get killed for something That's like bad, that. yeah. You don't want that I'm, to get back I'm to people. I'm telling you, in my entire life, I can't, can't count on the 
fingers of one finger how many times I've ratted. That was it. They've targeted the service industry because people need tips. Waitresses need tips, so they have to subject themselves to this horrible oh. – I'm sitting here. Oh. What's a strip club going to be like uh-huh. if everything is going to be sexual harassment in the service industry? No, you're making me sick. I wrote – I have written more than one article on how they're trying to get rid of tipping, and one guy – it's such a scam. There's actually a lawsuit going on to sue these scamming, lying um, big restaurant owners because taking the tips away, they raise the, the price on the menus 15% or 20%. They keep the money and they give the waitresses $15, but the waitresses were making $45 an hour when they were getting the tips. Like it's yeah. a complete yeah, yeah. scam. Exactly. And one guy, Tom Carluccio, whatever his name is of Kraft, who I used to like, he said, actually tipping is racist because I guess he was, I don't know, white servers make more than black servers i i find that very hard to believe because you just look at the number and you like add 20 percent. but uh he was saying something like that and uh or sexist like at the fancier restaurants it's all men which is true that's annoying but that's changing that actually is changing um and there was definitely racism in 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 the waitressing and sexism, like some places hired only white chicks and some places hired only males. You know, yeah. I know that I remember that from when I was young and it's not cool. However, that's just an excuse they're using to get rid of the tips because then no, it's just bringing everybody down to where nobody's making anything instead of redeeming the problem, which I would say I have not noticed that those trends in years anyway. So I feel like we were on the mend and now they're, they're just, just hurting the economic lower and middle classes, which are, is uh, often, you know, is subtle like that sometimes. Yeah. Go. Right. I'm going to list off these quick. Yeah, keep going. I've got a bunch of them to go through. Domestic workers, union leaders, farm workers, editors, producers, comedians, agents, actors, congressmen and women who they apparently pay like $18 million out in – um, settlements over the past couple of decades. And, it, and it's secret because right. even though those guys work for us and I believe it's taxpayer money. Political pundits, Silicon Valley, and along with the Silicon Valley, I found a headline that said how Reddit is turning users, uh, turning young men into uh, misogynists or whatever whatever the term is. Misogynists. Misogynists, yeah. yeah. So social media, it's going to be social media regulation there because social media is turning certain people into misogynists. So I the- noticed that weird manosphere trend. It looked so artificial a couple of years ago. I was like, well, this is such nonsense. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it, yeah. The, the answer to being emasculated is not turning into an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's just right. so yeah, stupid. Yeah. Just- Assert yourself. Have some courage. Don't whine on on social media. You know, get a job, make a living, get a wife who loves you. I mean, it's just I'm not I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I just it's just it's so paradoxical that these guys are just you know the stereotypical in your mom's basement whining in the manosphere. It's like the manosphere is a real place. It's not you know that's that's what would define it. I love men. (laughs) (laughs) i do so i just you know to think of that that uh of a man being transmogrified into something else is uh a poverty that is why i went into investment banking because i loved men i was like wow that's a very male oriented investment banking yeah 
It's just, I, I literally, in my class, there were 40 people hired. Only two of us were women. And I was like, people were like, you don't want to work there. It's like, gosh, did you hear that? Well, think of the ratio. And they're like, think of the ratio. I'm like, no, think of the ratio. <laughs> Could have been a sports announcer. Oh, no, I hate that. That I don't like. All right, what else? Keep going. You're going to be really pissed about this one. Oh, really? I've been really pissed about like three of them already. Really pissed. Like it really. This, this, this is the one right here that just. I like men. I like tipping. You know. I well, like, and you like the right to face your accuser too, don't you? <laughs> I do. I do like the right to face my well, accuser. I call this one the independent sexual assault task force where they're trying to create policy. This is how they think they can fix it. Where the accuser can anonymously go to an independent third party and make the accusation and remain anonymous. No. That's fundamental legislative legal architecture. My father taught me from when I was I can, as early as I can remember, you have the right to face your accuser. And I'm telling you, I got out of being expelled even though I was guilty in high school. I went to the principal and he said, "Dean said you're at his party." And I said, I wasn't, and I have a right to face my accuser, and if you bring me, or he said, somebody said you were at Dean's party, and I knew it was Dean, but he didn't tell me who, and I said, bring that guy in here, whoever it is, I have a right to face my accuser, and uh, I was the only one who didn't get expelled, and the principal knew. He was just like, really? I was like, yeah. (laughs) And it works, because you have that right. I had documents from the uh, Georgia Secretary of State page flagged and removed from Facebook by anonymous users who were supporting the John Ossoff campaign and simply were trolls who didn't like the fact that I put facts on there about him. Yeah. And it got removed as fake news because a bunch of people who I could not face. This is what this is right here. It's the same thing as as flagging someone online. And if Facebook had been a truly – organic business that rose up out of a startup and would face competition like everybody else and then would be in a realm where there are a hundred competitors. But instead it was fostered by the government incubated. Uh, It was, it was nurtured along. It's been cooperating with the government. It gets this position of privilege and virtual monopoly because of its place as the arbiter of these things, because of its willingness to to be a proxy for a government that takes your rights away. See what I mean? Like as a libertarian, if it was a completely free market uh, in in tech, we would have. I wouldn't care if they treated you like that. It wouldn't matter if they had stupid laws because you would just go someplace else. But you can't go someplace else because they had this insurmountable advantage in getting plugged into the government incubator stuff. Uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. So that you have to, I, I feel a little bad that I actually am using the right to face your accuser to defend myself for getting out of something that I was actually guilty of. <laughs> yeah, and you're kind of justifying their argument right now. I know, but that's the reality. You let 10 innocent people go uh, before you put, um, you let 10 guilty people go before you put an innocent person in jail. That's that's the, what we accept that. That's why we accept these legal principles, and uh, because they've been proven out over the millennia. Because human nature has not actually changed as much as they want to tell us that that having you know uh, screens that can sense heat has changed human nature. Technology has led to terrorism. No, we've always had terrorism. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, it's just a, I mean, that, they want people to believe. They have to use that fear to justify whatever it is they're doing. Another one is obviously the education system. The the colleges get the kids when they're young, teach them, teach the males that they are fundamentally to their core uh, sexual abusers and that they have to spend their life overcoming that. We've talked a little bit about this. I found a quote where they were talking about what they teach children. I mean, they're already doing workshops for this right now with children. Oh, no. And they're saying, oh, uh, oh, here it is. Oh, yeah, the kid raised his hand in one of the workshops and said, well, what do you do if someone – if you want to ask someone out? And uh, the girl teaching the class said, well, you just need to – you need to read her body language. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to look at her body. And on that point right there, I, I found an article because I was looking up what some of the laws were in other countries, in Europe especially. This is a headline. I found a number of interesting headlines. Here's the headline. Men don't think looking at women's breast is sexual harassment, poll finds. That's the headline. And here's what it says in the article. A shockingly high number of Europeans don't think staring at a woman's breast constitutes sexual harassment. And then it goes on to talk about how looking at a woman's breast is sexual harassment. I told you how I handled that, right, when I wasn't working. Yeah, you did. It's an interesting approach. I said I'll give you one minute. Look as much as you want and hold that image in your mind forever. And then in the future, when we're talking, I want you to look in my eyes. You can think about the image in your mind, but you need to look at my, but that's just somebody who works for me. So it's easy to be uh, definitive like that. Right. They work for you. But I, I mean, if I had said it to someone I worked for, I really feel like he would have locked the door and <laughs> great me right then and there. Right, you can't really yeah. like look at my breasts for a minute. Right. But, uh, but yes, it makes you, it's annoying when they can't, it's rare though. Most guys, I know maybe it's no, well, most guys have learned since they were a kid to uh, yeah, yeah. not get yeah. caught doing it is what it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> by a lot. It's not like I get if you're, if you're hanging your head down in a certain way and you're just putting it right there and staring and they're saying, stop looking and you continue right. to do it. Yeah. That might get reach a level of, of stalking and harassment, but right. guys can't help looking at girls. Girls can't help looking at guys. Even it's, if like I would deliberately wear like business suits with high necks, like I would never flaunt it, but you couldn't help but notice, you know, but I mean, is that, does that help? No. <laughs> okay. Guys, right. they just learn to not get caught doing it. They're asking you, they're saying that just biologically reacting in a way is sexual assault. And then they also went on to say, and they're not talking about the type of joke that, Al Franken does where he finds a girl who's passed out and, and grabs her breast. They're saying that just telling a sexual joke is sexual harassment. See, but you can't do that. You know what that does when you do that? People have to use their good sense, their judgment. You can't do that because what that does is it really truly excludes women from any kind of camaraderie. I actually went to strip clubs a couple of times with the guys I worked with because that's where they were going. Yeah. You know, it was like, and they were fine with it. I, I was not though. I will never do that again, but <laughs> it was way uncomfortable, but then they were fine with it. They probably loved it actually. Now that I think about it, um, I have to say one quick thing about my daughter's school. She goes to this like All super right. old fashioned school. They have a dance and at the dance, the boys are, they get stars or like coupons for the prize box if they, every time they dance with a girl and the boys are supposed to are only the boys can ask the girls. Girls cannot ask the boys and the girls have to say yes. If asked. Oh, really? 
Yes. So, I mean, talk about, (laughs) I mean, just if anybody knew what school she went to, they'd probably see something, do something. Oh my gosh. Like girls and boys dancing together. This is, this must be stopped, (laughs) you know, but the gender roles are, are shocking. I love it. I think it's cute. And the kids don't notice it as being weird or anything. Well, Um, not yet. My son gets super nervous. Like when he was, he was just like, I really want, you know, whatever the, the silly putty, but I'm totally nervous about asking the girl. Uh, anyway, but they have to say yes, though. They have right? to say yes so that they don't. Feel <laughs> nervous. It teaches them how to, uh, you know, because it's culture. It's it sucks like, for the girls. No, the girls are fine with it because they get stars too. But what if the wrong? What if the boy they don't like doesn't ask him? Every boy, at the end of it, like every boy asked every girl, like they oh, all dance oh, with each other. I see. I see. That makes By sense. the end of it, it works. But I'm just saying, like they were culturally trying to ch- train these kids on on what courtship ritual. But when you start destroying culture, and when you like like uh, mix culture either from other cultures, other religions, I think religion and culture, cults is the same thing. Is like where the real origin of culture. Uh, or even just generationally, like really change, really, really drive. Like my father came home from World War II and married my mother, like, you know, when she was a teenager because they wanted to get it on and one didn't do that back then. But then in the 60s, you know, 20 years later, I saw like a Pulitzer Prize winning photograph of like 14 naked people uh, intertwined on in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm like, how in 20 years do you get from here to there? But just generationally, if you screw up the culture like that, you don't know how to teach your kids. And then you have kids teaching kids. You have kids trying to figure it out. And that's a terrible plan. Like it really makes things uh, awkward and dysfunctional and impossible. And that's what you have. But that's actually what you have now. That's why like porn is such a crazy problem. And, and uh, you know, marriage and everything is just plummeting and you've got, Tinder, which is weird, I think. Maybe it's not, but it looks weird to me. Anyway, I know you, you're short of time. I just, <laughs> I had to rant that a little bit. That's all right. The last thing that I have is that in France, it either already is, I think it already is, or, they're, or they've made it a law, it's passed, that it's a fine, it's a crime, and you get fined if you catcall a woman while you're walking down the street or she's walking down the street. You get a fine or it's fine. No, you get it. You get fined. It's a crime. Right. Being catcalled, it's super annoying. I have to say I, I got a lot more of that when I was young. The younger I was, the more I got it, which makes me think that it's cowardly. You know what I mean? Because I was more voluptuous, you know, when I got older than when I was like a teenager. But I used to get catcalled all the time. And I feel like the older I got, the less people want to tangle with you. <laughs> so it seems cowardly, in my opinion, to do it like that. I did not like getting the cat calls, but as long as they didn't actually run after you and make like a weird slurping noise. Well, well, the point is, though, I mean, it's 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 saying, "Hey, baby," and and getting fine. I mean, that's First Amendment. Yes, yes, yes. Like if that I if mean, we model ourselves after these other, but countries. if it makes you nervous, I mean, I have been, I have walked when I was really young. I went walked from like my aunt's house to my grandma's house in Brooklyn, and I really didn't even know my way around. And I got nervous. Like there were people who were really like throwing stuff at me and, you know, that does that. I I mean, I'm not saying it was a crime, but boy, I was scared. It can really scare you in the wrong environment. I used to live on the edge of Boys Town in Chicago. I've been catcalled and it scared me to death. Are you serious? (laughs) 
used to do a comedy show in Chicago, and the show that was on after us was called Naked Boys Dancing. And every single week, a oh bunch God. of dudes would try and get me to be in the show. Not going to be in that show ever. Gross. I feel I'm in danger. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm physically vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, You're kind of skinny, but, like, I'm a chick. <laughs> As I taught my daughter, I was like, all women, she thinks she's a feminist, a pro-life feminist. I said, uh, all women, especially feminists, should be advocates of universal gun ownership because it's the great equalizer. Every woman on earth has a gun. Rape is a thing of the past. And she was like, yeah, you're right, I guess. Does I she know that they didn't let the – the um pro-life feminist walk in the women's march the feminist oh, i don't i remember that i don't know if i told her that you should tell her that oh i should tell her that because then she'll realize that they're full of it yeah they don't respect her right to choose because exactly. we her thing like my mom is a big pro-lifer but their her philosophy my mother's philosophy she just goes she just goes stands across the street from whatever it is the abortion place and she says the rosary they don't yell or anything like that. And then if they they help people, they have resources. So the idea is to pray to end abortion. Like it's not I don't I don't think like our family doesn't really like take a really strong political stance. So I can understand how the feminists don't want being told what to do, that that's why they reject those people. However, I mean no, they this don't is think that's you, feminism. Yeah, you have to. That's where that that censorship is worse than chauvinism thing comes in. It's like it, uh, I have tolerance for everything as long as you agree with me 100%. You know what I mean? And it's right. also why you really have to have a problem with federal laws. Federalizing law like that means that we all have to agree on everything or you're you're threatening violence. Like you're threatening me with violence if I decide to have an abortion. But that's only true because you decided to make it a federal law. You know what I'm saying? A federal law just means I will use violence on you if you don't do what I say. Yeah. So then it becomes this federal issue where they're like, you can't march with us because you're threatening us violence. And they're, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying the reason that they think they're justified in not letting the pro-lifers on is because they have made it a, a legal matter at the highest level, an inescapable legal matter. You can no longer have political disagreement in neutral territory like federal property because they want everything to be a federal law. It used to be like you could have state laws. So Alabama is going to have no abortion, but California would always have abortion. You know what I mean? And then you could just meet, you, you wouldn't have to argue with each other that one was trying to encroach on the other's rights when, when there's always, that was the idea of federalism. And I had one comment I wanted to make after you're finished about something different. I'll tell you this, we got to wrap it up after your comment. Yep. Unwomen.org, United Nations. In focus, leave no one behind. End violence against women and girls. This UN program is associated with the hashtag MeToo. It says, a global campaign spanning November 25th to December 10th is taking place this year against the backdrop of an unprecedented global outcry. There's been articles written in the past couple of days, this is me, saying that the Weinstein effect has gone global. And they start listing all these other countries that are joining in on it as well, the hashtag MeToo thing. And here on the UN side, it says, millions have rallied behind the hashtag MeToo and other campaigns exposing the sheer magnitude of sexual harassment and other forms of violence that women everywhere suffer. I didn't know harassment was a form of violence. Um, breaking the silence, 
the, is the first step in transforming the culture of our gender-based violence. So this is very much a globalist New World Order thing. Dean, our Twitter pal, uh, sent me Chapter 5, I think, of Agenda 2030. I think that's where it's found. And it talks about this being a goal, which they said a couple of years ago. So here it is. This is how they're implementing the goal. That's why you've been seeing this. We've been talking about this uh, women thing being in the spotlight uh, for a while now. That in that chapter, it said something to the effect of one of our goals is to eradicate gender-based roles. Oh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how like nursing children, you know, can be eradicated. Why eradicate gender-based roles? Like I don't, why is that a goal? Why is that objectively bad? Why is that just on its face bad? Well, they're, they're trying to turn men against women. They're trying to turn men into women in many cases. Like I was just hearing somebody said that. Uh, they have a thing where they're going to be able to implant a uterus in males. Oh, wow. Be like a Black Friday thing. People be waiting in line all night for one of those. <laughs> no, why? why so can I just say one other thing? Yeah. Uh, I know this started when Eric Erickson started talking about Trump and Megyn Kelly and the, like Trump saying she bled out of her whatever. Which was, he said the exact same thing about Chris Wallace. I mean, it, I don't Maybe he had a uterus implanted. <laughs> Maybe. Could have been. So, uh, but Erickson was actually spelling out. And this is, this, our podcast, I doubt any children listen to this podcast. People are not playing it over the radio in their cars. So I can say it, but she, he was talking about, uh, Erickson was like, he should not be speaking about women menstruating or whatever. It's just like, what? He didn't, you know, we never talk like that. I mean, I had women calling my show being like, I was never so grossed out in all my life than when I turned on you know, the radio and I hear this driving my kids around. So I noticed that's when it started. And then also vulgarity, they slip in when you and I have flagged it, CNN, not editing out shit, WSG, uh, the wall street journal doing it. Um, all over the place. I've seen it just slipped in there. And, uh, and, it, and it, it bothers me because I'm not prepared for it. And I'm in the car with my kids. And, I, and today, thank goodness my kids weren't in the car. I was on BBC World. And this chick said, excuse me, forgive me for relating this story to you. But it's so awful. I have to tell it. And then it ta- tells the story that I'm actually not going to repeat because it's too disgustingly gross. And she was saying this. It was in my car. About, I guess, the original story of Harvey Weinstein was that he had some woman cornered in a kitchen. Do you Are you familiar with the story? With the potted plant? I have no idea. Oh, you don't know? Oh, my tongue is curling up in my mouth because I want to puke thinking about this, which I'm not repeating. And she's telling the story with the gross words in it about what? I'm not telling. The tell- potted but- plant. Whatever. Don't ask, all right? Just don't ask because I'm not telling you. Google it if you have to know about it. And that's what she should have said in my car, which is normally full of my kids, my son with Down syndrome, who will then just be like, why are you? My, he will say to me, mom, the commercials you're listening to, which is what he calls the news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening to commercials like on a station that just forgot to play the music. The commercials you're listening to are inappropriate. I'm like, I know, I hate these commercials. So I'm just saying they're bringing this to us, and I hate it. So did he ask her to swallow it? Ah! What? What? <laughs> I don't why, know. Why? Why would you do that? I just told you I don't want to get gross. I 
just you know what? I'm mad at you now. I had to fill in the blank somehow. No, you didn't. I said four times. I'm not saying this. You can Google it if you. You sit here telling me to look up porn. I figured no. I'd ask you before I did that. I do tell my kids like, don't Google that. You know, <laughs> he's like, what does this mean? I'm not telling you, and don't Google it. I do not want that search <laughs> on my computer. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Visit us at propagandareportdaily.com if you want to help out the show. You can donate at PayPal or become a patron. Subscribe. Click on the little Apple icon or on the, what is the Android if you listen on Android, whatever. All the buttons are propagandareportdaily.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later.